it's time for school days. Hope for moms and dads of school-aged kids. I tell parents, you're like a training wheel on a bike. Your job isn't to make the bike move. Your job is to keep the bike upright. Those of us who are the true educators, we really want to be given the opportunity to educate the whole child. Sometimes we make decisions with our kids on how we think our kids are going to feel in the first 10 minutes versus thinking about 10 months or 10 years. Oftentimes, as parents, I think we want to protect our kids, but I think one of the greatest gifts we can give them is allowing them to experience that person. Yeah. Here are your hosts. David and Danita Bailey. Well, good evening and welcome to School Days to Help for Moms and Dads of School Age Kids. I'm Danita Bailey. And I'm David Bailey. More than half of American workers are dissatisfied with their jobs. Loyal employees that stay with companies 10, 20, and even 30 years are rare. Many young people graduate lacking a basic understanding of their strengths, values, and purpose in order to make wise decisions about career paths. But our guests today, Greg and Beth Langston, lead students in transformational self-discovery, allowing them to discover their life's purpose and ultimately fulfilling careers. So when do you think you discovered your purpose? Have you discovered your purpose? Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, I have. You know, I would say it, it was a journey. You know, because many of you know that, you know, I wanted to be a pilot and, you know, I was on my way to the Air Force Academy. Um, and then I found out senior year that I needed eyeglasses and that kind of shattered that dream. So, you know, it, I had to kind of reevaluate what am I going to do with my life? And so as I went, you know, went back to, you know, well, came to the University of Pittsburgh and was going through my journey, I began to work with young ladies who got pregnant in high school um, and needed help tutoring. And I began to realize, now, I didn't know I was going to be a teacher yet, but I began to realize that I really loved working with students to help them to reach their goals and to get the, the, the light bulb on in mathematics. And that's where my love for teaching began. Then I began to teach at my local church. And I realized I had a gift for teaching, but I still had that corporate America itch in me that I thought I had to scratch. <laughs> and I scratched it and I got You're a scab. Like then I got a scab. <laughs> And I realized this is not where I need to be. Mm -hmm. um, and so it, it was it was a journey, but that's where the seed was planted. And I began to discover what my strengths were. And when I discovered my strengths, I realized that that's really where I needed to be in, you know, in life. And so, you know, doing what I do now, I absolutely love it. Can't imagine myself doing anything else. Mm -hmm. And what about you, sweetheart? I was, I was hoping you were going to oh, ask me that. You know, think I was just going to stare at you? I did. Oh, yeah. I was, I was worried that you were. Yeah, that would have been funny. <laughs> For you. <laughs> um, so it's it definitely has been gradual. I don't think that I had discovered my purpose until I started. The you film. met me? And, well, kind of. Kind of. Yeah. You know, oh, with, yeah. With, <laughs> with, she was lost and hopeless. That's the story tells, yes. Yes, no direction. And then I came into her <laughs> life and just... So Turned her life upside down, y'all. You're welcome. Would you like me to tell the story? Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. So no, it wasn't until um, I started the foundation, really. And it's funny because when I had the video production company, I would produce different things. But whenever I worked with a church or with a nonprofit and did videos for them, that was when I really felt like I was doing something. Mm -hmm. And it kind of was the same at the advertising agency. I just realized that um, doing do, doing good was what I wanted to do, not just, you know, sell a product. 
Um, so really, you know, starting the foundation and being able to make change and um, kind of change the tra trajectory of kids' lives that really needed that was when I kind of started to glow on the inside and yeah. realized that this was this was my thing. I think for a lot of people, it's kind of like, now I'm dating myself now, uh, but the old Dunkin' Donuts commercial. Yes. Where they just say, the guy said, time to make the donuts. And he just got to make, and his face was just so sad. And many people, you know, sometimes struggle with finding their direction and purpose. And, you know, even, you know, with younger people, I'm helping them to discover where they're going is, you know, crucial because, you know, we're, you know, we're launching them off into life and um, finding the purposes, you know, if you can, that, that that's half the battle, at least half the battle right there. Absolutely. You know, when you know where you're going and not wasting time. You know, there's always a lesson to be learned along the way, but if you can kind of hone that in and get direction, um, that can be a game changer. And so we're going to dive into that today. Yeah. But before we go any further, let me just say that it does take a village. If you hear a great parenting tip or nugget of advice, share it with your parent friends. Facebook it, Instagram it, tweet it, link it in and add the hashtag school days show or hashtag I am school days. And remember, sharing is caring. Hit the share button and send this episode while you're watching it to some friends. And last, we always want you to be a part of the show. So if you're listening with us live on Facebook, Facebook, feel free to put questions in the chat box and we'll do our very best to get to you as soon as we can. So without further ado, let's introduce our guests. Greg and Beth Langston are the co-creators, co-founders of the College Flight Plan, which was established to empower students to master their self-discovery, allowing them to successfully activate their life's purpose. With a combined 20 years of experience in the education field and executive leadership, they have mentored hundreds of students and young professionals and their courses providing training, coaching, and expert advice to enable students to establish clarity, confidence, and control over their future. So welcome, Langstons. Well, thank you. It's great to be here. We're glad to be here. And we love your story, by the way. Yes. The intro, that was great. Oh, thank you. All right, well, let's get started. First, I'd love to know, why do you think it's so common for people to be unhappy with their choice of career? I believe it is because they haven't done the self-discovery that they need to do. And as a result, you have over 70% of the people that are doing their jobs uh, are unhappy. And that could have been avoided if they just would have done a little bit of work and self-discovery trying to figure out what it is that they're passionate about. And an interesting study was done that says that 87% of people between the ages of 16 and 29 have no purpose or meaning, which is pretty sad. Wow. What was the percent again? 87%. 87%. That is no purpose or meaning. So just waking, literally what you just said, waking up time to make the donuts. Time to make the donuts. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it's, uh, as you were saying, you were launched without maybe learning your strengths. We all were. This is a new concept to teach children their strengths and values before they go out. And it sounds like your purpose, both of you, your purposes found you as you realized what your strengths and values and interests were. And so we're trying to reverse that and help kids at a younger age to discover all that, to figure out their strengths and their weaknesses and what they're passionate about and what they're naturally gifted to do so that they can choose a profession 
that will be fulfilling to them. And in some cases that will include college. And in other cases, it won't include college. Mm -hmm. But if you make that decision not to include college, which in some families is a real problem, but if you choose and you want to be a pipe fitter or a welder or do something else that does not involve college, you can make a fantastic living and not incur the debt. There are but many great professions. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So I'm making a lot more money than, you know, those of us that have gone to college. Well, interestingly enough, only 29% of those that uh, graduate with an undergrad degree are actually doing the work that they studied in college. Yep. I, I believe that. What kind of started you guys on this journey? Well, we started with our own children. They, they, were, our guinea they pigs. were our guinea pigs. And so we, we raised our kids overseas. By the time our son was um, 13, he had lived in, he had been to 12 schools, 12 different schools in five different countries. So it was a great experience. We loved it as a family. We loved it. They learned foreign language. I learned foreign, foreign language myself. And then we all gained a great appreciation for other cultures. Like when they were in Singapore, the Singapore American School has 76 nationalities represented in K through 12. Wow. So that that's an education in itself. And it was very fulfilling for all of us. But, and as an educator, I might, I have a degree in education from Purdue University and Greg has a degree in international business from Purdue. So as an educator, I was very involved in all their schooling as we transitioned to these different countries, whether it was Australia on a different school year. So we had to homeschool for part of the year. Oh, but just one second. Australia has the ugliest uniforms for school kids on the planet. I mean, it, it's like turn of the century Soviet prison garb. I mean, it was oh, just horrible. Wow. Yes, it was. But they had to wear it. So we always said, you are a guest in this country and you abide by the rules and never say in America, we do it this way. You know, mm -hmm. nobody cares. <laughs> but sometimes, uh, like when we were in Mexico, they were the only English speakers in their whole school. So they would come home at night and we'd have the Spanish English dictionary in one hand and the uh, their homework in the other. And we would plow through for two to four hours every night, just trying to translate what they were supposed to be doing. And wow. but they did it. You know, kids can do a lot more than we think they can. They're very resilient and they're very capable. We so you guys, so you guys weren't using Google. You weren't using Google Translate. <laughs> no, we didn't, no, have that back then. didn't exist at the time. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> But so we knew uh, we wanted to get back to the States by the time they were, especially in the beginning of high school, because we wanted to prepare them early for that college application process. Uh, I don't know. We just assumed, even though it, it's gotten a lot more time that is needed for preparation now. But back then we knew we needed to give them opportunities for self-discovery, for internships or however they could get hands on, you know, um, knowledge of what they thought they were interested in doing. So um, we were really disappointed when we got back here. And because it didn't exist. It mm. didn't exist. And Greg, on the other hand, as an executive, he had, you know, he was provided with hours of executive training and coaching to equip him with all these great skills to help with his leadership skills, help him to be a team player and improved, improved his performance in all areas. And he kept saying, why did I have to wait 20 years to learn all this about myself? And why isn't somebody teaching this to high schoolers right now? 
And so with his executive background, my education background, we put our superpowers together and we developed workshop. We developed tools to give to kids in these workshops to help them learn more about their their gifts and their the self-awareness. And so it's worked with our kids. They were guinea pigs. And it worked really well. We didn't ruin them. That's right. And, <laughs> and then we started to branch out to their friends and then workshops in the area. And now with COVID, we've put it all online. So hopefully we can reach more kids with this vital information. All right. So bring your purpose. Sorry, we lost you. We Can lost you there for that? a second. Are we there? Yeah, we're here, but we lost it for a second. Okay, okay ask the question let me ask it again. So what is the difference between choosing a career path and discovering your purpose? Good question. Um, I believe it's a sequential um, situation where you find out what your purpose is first and then you can determine what your best career is. I think that the way we've developed the program, you first start with your values and your, your goals and your strengths and your weaknesses, and then you can progress to de developing your passion, your purpose, and then after that, eventually you get to the point as you go through the self-discovery to say, you know what, I should do this as a profession. And so, this yeah. is what I would be really good at. Right. Versus doing something that a person's parents say, well, we're all doctors. You need to be a doctor. Or I've always been an electrician. You need to be an electrician when Susan or John would not be a good electrician. I mean, mm -hmm. this is something that is unique to each individual where they determine their own path. How early do you recommend students start on this? How early is too early? Well, for, for what we do, we like to have freshmen, sophomore, junior, senior, whenever they can fit it in their, to their schedule, but the earlier the better. But there are other ways for younger kids that you can develop all these, uh, a, a bit of self-awareness and asking them, how did they use their gifts today? Realizing what their gifts are. How did you use your kindness today at school? How did you- How did you share with somebody How today? did you share? What did you do that, made your teacher proud of you today you know those type of things realizing oh yes i do this well i do this well you know and it's okay to brag about to talk about what you do well and as parents each kid does something well and it's our job to pull that out of them and find it and help them realize it and run with it so what what happens in routines do students need to develop now to be successful adults. What are those skill sets that need to be working on um, in this age range? Well, I think that, um, you know, they need to learn how to set priorities. And that's something that they really don't know how to do very well. But they also need to do, there are six things that we suggest that people do that I've always told my son and daughter that are high potential essentials that are number one, understand what are your values, and then live by them. Number two is do what you say you will do. Mm. Number three is arrive on time. Number four is finish what you start. Number five, say please, thank you, and you're welcome. And number six, be willing to apologize when you're wrong. And just think if everybody in our families were to do that each and every day, 
or all the people that we work with or coincide with, if they were all to do that, how much better off we would be. So much better. Or, or just in marriage. <laughs> exactly. Right? I'm so sorry. Right. Yeah, do tell, David. Come on, do tell. Oh, not, not me. This another is, show. No, this is about my wife. I mean, I'm trying to help her out. I'm, I'm good. Um, so how do you, I think that this is, this is a struggle for adults. How do you discover what your values are and define your goals? Uh, especially at such a young age, because I think that this is this is definitely something that that adults kind of grapple with. It's so true. And kids haven't really had the opportunity. The ones that we encounter, it's like nobody's really ever asked them what their values are. You know, uh, adults, I mean, as adults, hopefully we know what our values are eventually, if we've ever thought about it. But for kids, they really haven't been given the opportunity to think about it. So, Or they've assumed their parents... Uh, values in terms of integrity, hard work, um, intellectual, you know, rigor, whatever the case may be, excellence. And so what's unique about our program, and we encourage those parents that are out there, help your students. And there are resources out there, not just ours, there are resources to try and help a student find out what are my core beliefs? What is it that I value? What is it that I will not negotiate on? Because if I can explain to, our, to your audience, the way we built our process is it's much like a tree. If you look at a cutaway of a tree and you see the root system, a deep root system on a big oak tree, those roots go down into the ground. Those are holding up that tree and the purpose, which is the trunk of the tree and the branches and the objective and the branches and the goals would be um, you know, equivalent to the goals and objectives that we set up in our program. If you have a strong root system and you know why you stand for something and you're making decisions in accordance with those values, the tree's not going to be blown over. And it's particularly important when you're no longer with your parents and you're off by yourself that a student can say, I'm going to make a decision that does not violate my values or my core beliefs. And that's where we start. We begin with that. And the way we do it is we provide them with a list of 60 different values with an explanation. They go through a card sort process and they determine which ones of those values they really resonate with them. And then we put them through a test where they can figure out what should I start, stop, and continue doing relative to my values to make sure this is truly my own core wow. values. You know, I love that you said that you give them a list because I was having lunch with a girlfriend today telling her about this upcoming show. And she said, well, what are your core values? And I was like, oh. <laughs> I really had to think. And then um, when she, because she had thought about this, she comes from a corporate ba background. So this is something that's not unfamiliar to her. But so she started to list hers. And as she did, I, I, some started to pop in my head. And I was like, oh, okay, these are some of mine. But I literally had never thought about it before. I have values, but it's like articulating them was um, pretty difficult to do on the spot. So it's great that you're teaching these students to have them front of mind and live by them. Right, and the list explains each value also in case they're not sure what it means. And we can identify with a lot of these values. We have lots of values, but we try to really narrow it down for them to those most important ones that they feel really guide them. And if they have one that is you know, deeply rooted and it's not on the list, then they can incorporate yeah. that. And another element that I think is really important is they initially start with seven values. Then they hone it down into three core values and in, and in order of priorities. So they go from their first and most important value, the second and the third. So if a decision is going to 
violate your third, it doesn't violate your, your third core value and it doesn't violate your second core value, but it violates your first core value, then you know the answer. You shouldn't do it. Wow. That's so good. We had we did a um, a show about teaching children leadership, and he said something similar to that. Scott Scotty Sanders uh-huh. said something similar to that that there ought to be three things that you are kind of the umpire for your decision making. Uh huh. You know, I was just interestingly just this past week. Uh, we're going through a really great um, social emotional learning program at my school with our middle schoolers. Mm-hmm. And this week we were, we were talking about their core values. And I said to them, I said, you know, your core values drive everything you do. And you may not even realize it or not, but every decision you're making on what you do and don't do is driven by your values, whether you know what they are or not. Right. And so I asked them, what are your values? And they looked at me like a deer in headlights. They <laughs> literally did because they hadn't thought about it before. Like you were saying that that time of reflection is not necessarily there. So I'm working with eighth graders. Um, and so um, this, this is great because it helps to bring clarity um, to what those values are because they've never had to evaluate them before. Um, so this, this is great. And we're so pleased the schools are now beginning to integrate SEL into the training. The, the thing that we found is that while the SEL determines, you know, how are you feeling? How are you responding to others? How do you feel uh, about when somebody says something? Um, you know, how are you reacting? I think that's all fantastic. But what I don't believe SEL is teaching, and this is what um, what we believe we add to the SEL, we complement the SEL, is we say, with you feeling this way, or you acting this way and impacting and adding value to other people, what are you going to do differently going forward? And how are you going to incorporate that into your goals going forward, one year, five years, 10 years down the road? And that's what uh, we were just with one of the head people in the local school district uh, here in California who said, in my 38 years of teaching, I have never seen a program that's this comprehensive that incorporates the SEL of the student, their parents, and the teachers. So we're looking at developing a pilot program here locally, which is really exciting for us. That's awesome. One of the things that I loved about your program is that you require students to get feedback from trusted advisors about their strengths and their weaknesses, mm-hmm. et cetera. So who do you recommend they choose and how do you help the students truly benefit benefit from the feedback when it's kind of unexpected? Well, that's a great question. And so we, we don't really recommend to them because we find that the student usually picks a parent, a grandparent, or an aunt and uncle to somebody close to them that will give them honest feedback on what they're being asked, will encourage them to keep pushing through the program and learning all that they can. And we we found, what's the statistics on accountability partners? Right, that, you know, if you share with somebody that, you you know, you write something down, the probability, and I mentioned this when we were talking before, that if you write something down, the probability of success is, you know, single digit. If you, you know, tell everybody, hey, I'm going to lose five pounds after they say, yeah, sure. Um, the probability of success is typically 65% because you feel that pressure for you to, to perform. But if you have an accountability partner, it goes up to 95%. And so that's why we suggest to the students that they pick somebody who's going to give them the cold and varnished truth, you know, and they typically do not pick a friend. 
because they realize, listen, this is a unique opportunity for me to really dig deep and find out a lot about myself. And so they typically pick, pick as you say, a parent uh, or somebody who will give them that feedback. The information is confidential, so they don't know which person sent them that information. But they get 200 data points. And this is what's really unique about the program. They get 200 data points of information from these eight trusted advisors that say, you know what? You're a young person, but this is what you really do well. Mm-hmm. And many kids don't hear that they do lots of things very well because so that's in, unexpected. Right. In right. school, what do we how are we measured? We typically look for the red red circles, like what right. did I do wrong? Versus, hey, I do this really, really well. And these are the things that I don't do so well. And if you get eight different people saying one or the other, then you know you and you also do it for yourself, you therefore can compare the information and come to some conclusions. They also determine how they add value to other people and how others perceive that they add value to other people. Then they also get from each of the eight trusted advisors, three recommendations at least. And this is free form words, it's not just one word, they can write anything they want and it's all confidential saying, these are the areas of study or these are the professions that we think you would be uniquely gifted to do. And so they get that information uh, back, which is really valuable for them to make a decision. And they also have to fill out the survey so they can compare what they think their gifts are to what others observe their gifts to be, which is very interesting too. So how do you help them to become good feedback receivers? I think that on the whole, people are not very good at getting feedback. Now, not necessarily positive feedback. You you do these things great. But when they do receive the negative or constructive feedback, how do you help them to receive that, you know, with grace and and, and understanding that it's meant to make them feel, make them better? Yes. Well, we tell them how fortunate they are to be able to learn this early because a lot of people, 20 years down the line, they're finally learning, oh, I am not good at that. Right. But at least they have someone else to give them that that input, not just their own or not just their parents, which parents usually know their children pretty well. But um, we we incur, we tell them you're the one who's going to benefit from this. Take it with a grain of salt, and you know not everything might not apply. That's the other thing. It's not the be all and end all. What everybody else says, because. Only you know what's inside you too. So we we try to come alongside, encourage them, and let them know this is for your own good, and this is how it starts. And what we find at the beginning, and this is normal, you know, the student says, "Oh, mom and dad, you know, or grandma or grandpa, you put me in this course, you know, I got it. It's just twelve hours long, you know. Is this just another not thing? Not one sitting. Yeah, it's not at one sitting." <laughs> By the way, for all of you listening, each of the videos and each of the courses, the, the components are on average two and a half minutes, the video and the interface. So you break down the elephant into very, very small pieces that they then build and we purposely, with a, with a workbook, interactive workbook, it's all mobile, um, it's all mobile optimized. And what we've done is we purposely layered the information in a sequence that comes alongside the student and says, listen, we're going to paint your story and we're going to come alongside you and you are going to discover, you're going to think back on stories, who's impressed you, when there's been a time in your life that you've been particularly jazzed about something, that you particularly like something, who impressed you both positively or negatively and what did you learn from that? And we're going to capture that information because we're going to write your own story. 
not anybody else's, not your mom's, not your dad's, not anybody else's, but your own story. And where they may at the beginning say, well, what is this? Very quickly they say, wow, I'm really learning some great stuff about myself and I'm really good at doing this. And how can I build off of that? Yeah, I want to share just real, real, real quick, a, a, a parallel story. So when I was in high school, um, I ran track. And coming up in the high in middle school, I ran the sprints, the shorter, the shorter distance, the 100 to 200, maybe the 400 every now and then. So I knew I was a sprinter going into high school. But then my track and field coach said to me, he said, you're not a sprinter. And I said, excuse me? <laughs> what do you mean I'm not a sprinter? He said, you're a middle distance runner. And he moved me out of the sprints into the middle distances to 400 to 800, the mile. And I took off and soared to the point where we ended up going to the, you know, the state track and field championships. And I, and I, you know, and I really, we medaled at state and it was because my coach saw my weaknesses and said, this is not where you soar. And he knew because he knew what it was like for sprinters. You need to make that shift. And that's when I really took off. So, it, you know, the parallel was the same and yet different, but the, but to your point, when someone can really see what your strengths and weaknesses are, and help you to repoint and redirect you, then that's when really can, when students can take off. And I found co coaches are really good at that too. They they can see because they're used to dealing with all these athletes. And with our daughter, it was the same way. She was a volleyball player. She is six one, which helps. You can't teach height. Um, but uh, her high school coach says, "I want you to try high jump." And she's like, "I've never done high jump in my life. I wouldn't know what to do." Sure enough, she was undefeated in her whole career and has like three state championships. Yeah, he knew. He could see it in her. She just had to learn how to do it. <laughs> wow. Danita, you mentioned, you mentioned how do, going back to the original point or the original question, how do you deal with someone who doesn't deal well with the feedback? Mm -hmm. That's where we've already talked about the benefit of everything they get, but that's where the accountability partner com comes in as well because throughout the program, through each one of the major sequences, they sit down with the accountability partner and say, this is what I'm seeing, this is what I'm reading, does this make sense to you? And they'll say, well, yeah, you don't do this, or yeah, you do do this really well. And so that's another way to affirm the student or to help the student who might be struggling with the negativity or the, the the constructive criticism to be able to explain it to them in a way that they trust that trusted advisor, if that makes sense. And a lot of what we get is that, oh, you tend to procrastinate. And most of the time, the student knows that they do that. That's the thing. It's, it's in there. They know it. But oh, yeah, it's hard to hear from somebody else sometimes. Yes, 100%. So what do you tell parents who already have their children's futures mapped out and find it difficult to buy into their child's newfound life purpose our chosen career path? Well, actually, usually by the end of the self-discovery and the self-awareness that students gain and hopefully other courses too, what we've noticed with ours that the parents are totally impressed by the transformation that they see in their child. They see the, this clarity that they, this newfound clarity in knowing their values and their strengths and their weaknesses and their purpose and their what they're going to study, hope, hopefully, or what career they're going to choose. And they love the confidence that their student can now clearly articulate what makes them different, um, 
how they are unique in the world and um, they're going to use that in their college application process or in their essays that they're writing for those uh, colleges or in job interviews. And then they also see this wonderful sense of control in that their child feels they have a little bit more control over their future because they have actionable plans and goals. And for us, the parents are usually like, is some up, sometimes they're in tears because they're like, I didn't know this about my child. I've known you for 16 years and yet I never knew this about you. How great is that? And it really helps the child get that sense of independence and that beginning of taking control and ownership of what they're going to do. And it's very evident to the parents. And David, this is particularly true. What you stated is particularly true with certain cultures around the world. Um, you know, don't need the Indians uh, as an example, Albanians and so on and so forth, where the patriarch or the matriarch says, you're going to do this. And the student is expected to do that. And what we found is even in those situations, the student, when they at the, what they do with our program is after they go through it, instead of having the parents say, well, what did you learn in this program? And they just kind of go, hmm, or it was good, it was fine. What they have to do part and parcel is they have to present to their parents the 14-page document that basically says, mom and dad, these are my values and this is why they're important. These are my strengths as identified 200 data points by you and seven other trusted advisors. This is how I instinctively problem solve. This is my purpose statement. These are my lifetime goals in the areas of health, wealth, wisdom, and relationships. These are my five-year goals. These are my one-year goals in each one of those. And based upon what I've just learned about that and what I want to do, these are bad habits that I'm currently doing. The two, which 95%, more than 97% actually come back and say, I have too much social media. Not, not all social media is bad, but a lot of the social media is bad and I don't get enough sleep. Now, these are the majors that I'm going to study. And this is my elevator speech. And they have a memorized one minute, 150 word speech that they say, mom and dad, this is what makes me unique. And this is why I'm special. And this is how I'm developing a growth mindset. We go into all that. This is how I'm going to interview for my jobs. Um, this is how I'm going to organize my life. We teach them about priorities and things like that, that we all need. Right? And it's kind of a drop the mic moment where the parents look at each other like, what did you do with my kid? <laughs> so for those parents who are listening that have not gone through a program, which is pretty much all of our audience or most of our audience, how, what would you say to them when they really have an idea about, you know, I know my kid, this is, this is the path that I think that my kids should go down. Um, or, you know, they just kind of, like you were saying, culturally have a um, career kind of mapped out for your kid. So what would you say to those parents about allowing their children to kind of um, discover their own way? Well, what I would say is, after that first conversation, um, if, if that's not sufficient, what I would ask them to say is, listen, can we go through your workbook? Because it's a 56-page workbook that they go through where they are highlighting the stories that impact their life, the instances that they had with their mom and dad or a relative, how they were impacted both positively or negatively. And they basically walk through the layering of the insights that they gain 
all the way through that program and they present where they're coming from. And we found that parents typically say, you've really thought this thing out. And while we've all been doctors and that's what we do in our family, you clearly don't wanna be a doctor and you would make a great architect like you want to. And so therefore we support you in doing that. Now there may be some parents who don't want you to go to college, but for different reasons, like you have that one situation with a young uh, poor boy. Oh, yes. Well, that's because <laughs> I found a lot of parents can get in the way of the progress of their children because yeah. of their own fears and needs. And oh, yeah, what would you seen, say to those, those parents? Well, I, I try sometimes. Sometimes they're hard to reach and then they just go away, <laughs> oh. but they don't want to hear. I try to be very honest uh, when I see, uh, you know, a flag go up. Uh, but I can only do so, so much in certain situations, and they all haven't gone through maybe the discovery process. I also help with the essay editing, and when I'm pulling that out of the kids, um, then the parents sometimes want to be overly involved and. And I explained to them that it has to be the student who does the work so they can take ownership and feel proud of it and know that they earned this spot at this university or whatever's happening. Um, because a lot of the most for me, once they've gone through the process, we don't we don't have many parents that do that at all. They're Correct. usually that we hear about anyway. They, they don't say it to our face if they do feel that way. They're usually pretty jazzed about it and wishing we would do this same course for adults. For parents, right. Yeah. Could you <laughs> we do young this? adults. We do, yeah. do young adults, but parents, that's our next thing to start. We're going to do it for parents now. Mm -hmm. Whole family. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It would be a great thing. So how do you work with parents who maybe the, the motivation for their desires for the children to go into a particular field is driven financially? Um, and maybe what their life, what their child's life purpose is, is not going to necessarily be monetarily rewarding. Mm -hmm. um, like the family of doctors and the, you know, the child wants to be an actress. <laughs> right. Right. Or, <laughs> an artist. Or, or a starving <laughs> artist or, you know, I mean, but, but, you know, how do you help parents to reconcile the, the financial aspect of, of that? I mean, sometimes it can be rewarding and sometimes we don't know. And, you know, what's true. Yeah. How, how do you help them to maybe reconcile those those types of challenges? Yeah, because I think sometimes kids have a a an idea of where they want to go and what they want to do. Like, you know, I've, I've you know, I, who we had Holly Sharp on the on the phone or on the show. And she said she wanted to go into marketing when she was like in junior high and she did go into marketing. And so even if they have not thought through and they haven't gone through your program and they, you know, just kind of have an inkling this, I think I'm born for the stage or whatever. How do you talk to parents about um, you know, just accepting that and allowing them to do that? Yes. And I know that is hard to do. And in some of those professions, you want to have a fallback to earn money. Our daughter, <laughs> uh, she played uh, volleyball in college at Michigan State. It was a great experience. And then she wanted to be a professional beach volleyball player with on the AVP, which she did. She was. Wow. Uh, but, yes. But she, we, she had to piece together, even though she had a college education, she had to piece together her life and her uh, earnings so that she could support herself doing the AVP. We called her our starving professional athlete. <laughs> <laughs> because if you're in the top 
you know, for for you make a six figure income, but everybody else does not. Yeah. And so and she could piece it together and she did. And then uh, the tour went bankrupt finally. And so she now she's a medical device sales rep, which they love. Uh, companies love to hire former professional athletes or college athletes because of their dedication and their work ethic and their competitiveness and all those things. So we work with a lot of athletes. Um, Something else I would say is parents should allow students early to figure out and explore what are their interests. Uh, our son, for example, said, I want to be Steven Spielberg and uh, you know, I want to do film. And um, we said, okay. And so we gave him, <laughs> we gave him every opportunity to do, to do film. And at the time, you guys remember the Blair Witch Project? Yes. Of course. And, um, and so I said, now, Brad, let's think about this. You know, we're, you're going to go and you're going to study for four years or what have you. And somebody comes along with a handheld camera in today's day and age, a GoPro, who has a really creative idea and all of a sudden is going to crush you with all the training that you have. You probably want to have something with a, a few more barriers to entry, you know, than, than do that. And so he thought about that for a while and he goes, yeah, that's probably not a good idea. So then, uh, then he wanted to be a doctor. Yes. He thought he wanted to go into the medical field and be a surgeon. And so he used his connections and he was able to intern or just ride along with a neurosurgeon and a cardiovascular surgeon in their operating room to see what really is going on and wow. at the end of that summer he said this is not at all what i want to do okay. and he ended up in the financial field so we encourage parents to really give give the opportunity for your students to figure this out mm -hmm. and one of the benefits of the self-discovery is it helps a student to determine this is what really interests me and this is what really doesn't interest me Right. And right now I'm in three sports. Why do I have to be on three sports? Maybe I take the time that I'm using to be on those two sports. I like the one sport. That's my favorite. But the two other sports, maybe I can dedicate it to go into a lab or I can dedicate it to do some special study or some volunteer work that will allow me to create more of what I see myself doing in the future. And that's where the self-discovery has the benefit of delayering, taking things off their plate because I say this a lot, but by the time they're seniors, they're running around with hair on fire. And, uh, you know, the whole family's up, you know, the whole family's going crazy. And with a self discovery and a plan, the student now has a sense of control of saying, this is what I want to go do, and this is what I don't want to go do. And you can start freshman year of high school, approach companies. The student can go proactively promote himself to these companies, say, look, I just like to get some experience, see what it's like. Can I ride along with you for a week or whatever it is? And they are so willing to uh, assist these kids. And I'll, I'll, I'll go one step further. They say, well, we're not hiring anybody. They say, fine, don't pay me. Right. And they're gonna go, what, you're gonna do this just to learn? Yes, sir, uh, or yes, ma'am. Mm -hmm. And you, the kids would be surprised what kind of opportunities they would find and the people's willingness if they see somebody who is who is clear-eyed and trying to figure out what they want to do and they can share, hey, these are my distinct natural abilities, these are my strengths, this is what I do quite well, they're going to say, I want to invest in this kid.
Yeah, and I'll just go out on a limb and say, if anybody wants to know about nonprofit management, I will take free labor. <laughs> Good for you. Yay. You'll find me at nogginfoundation.org. <laughs> so um, can you tell us about the, you have your students do a purpose statement and an elevator speech. What, what are both of those things? Okay, the purpose statement is a statement that describes why they do what they do. You know, a high school student is a freshman, junior, sophomore, senior. That's who they are. Um, what they do is they get good grades or they you know, take good tests, but why they do it, what gets them up in the morning, that's their why statement or their purpose statement. Mm -hmm. And so what we do is we help them to determine based upon all the information that they've already curated, their values, their strengths, their weaknesses, their distinct natural abilities, how they solve problems, how they, based upon a series of 10 stories that we help them curate from their past life, and everybody has a story, both positive things and negative things, to determine what is going to direct them for the rest of their lives. That is basically their strategic north, their personal north star that they're going to follow. The elevator speech is comes at the end of the program after they've determined everything that makes them unique, what their strengths and their weaknesses are, and it's a, it's a curated 150 word, one minute press play button to say, this is who I am, this is what makes me special, this is why I should be in your university, this is the research I've done, I'd like to know who's the next person I should speak to in order to get accepted at your university, or in a job, they can tweak it a little bit as well. And so they, those are two different things. I mean, I think I would pass out if I talked to a teenager and they said this to me. <laughs> it's happened. Oh, um, we've had kids go through the program and then they go to apply for a summer job and they'll get back to us, oh my gosh, I could just retool my elevator speech and I could speak right to it and I got the job. So there Or, or uh, Fede, uh, we have one client who's in Bogota, Colombia and very smart young man and he wanted to, he wants to go to school in either Germany or Spain. And um, so the person from the school, the university in Spain called him and said, you know, so tell me about it. what's your name and so on and so forth. And he went on and did the same thing that Beth just mentioned. Said, this is what my distinct natural abilities are. These are my strengths, these are my values. This is what I wanna do. This is what I think is unique about your, your university. And the person said, who are you? Um, right. <laughs> Because adults can't do that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You, you know, it's, um, I'm always impressed whenever I see um, young people that are confident who they are. Look you know, you in the eyes. Yeah. It was interesting because even like with our son, um, we're the type to say, if you want it, go get it. Like, for example, he wanted to go to camp. And and so uh, we said, well, when we made a conscious choice, said, okay, if you want this and you got to pay for it yourself, he got out there and hustled, started knocking on doors. And telling people what he was doing or he would cut grass or whatever and he, he would just come back with piles of money oh my gosh it was yeah. crazy i was like you couldn't have you could not have cut grass in that amount of time <laughs> wow. he said well i told them i was trying to cut grass but they were like it, uh, we don't need our cut gr our grass cut but here's some money like, oh i love that they, they loved his attitude point <laughs> i want you to work <laughs> right but i think that people i think adults like like you said adults are impressed when kids are sure of themselves and they're reaching out for for help that that people love to help people who want to be helped 
And so uh, having having that sense of direction, I think, is very, very, very critical. Um, you know, one of the things I say with my students all the time is I say, look, you, know, you may or may not know necessarily what you're going to do with your life yet. And it is going to be a discovery process. However, there are skills and, you know, and your character that you're building right now is going to prepare you. So when that door opens up, that you're ready to walk through it. And so you may or may not remember all the facts you learned in, in, you know, in a particular subject. But if you learn how to become disciplined and focused and to learn how to develop the habit of studying and developing research and, and planning and organizing and all those things, no matter what field you go into, these are skills that you're going to need to care for the rest of your life. You know, and, um, you know, it's sometimes, sometimes it's a journey um, to help them to get there, especially because I work with advanced mathematics students and they, oh, wow. you know, they think they're God's gift to math. And I have to, <laughs> and I have to humble them a little bit. <laughs> um, but it's learning, learning those things. You know, and I even, would even say just reflecting on my own life, you know, I didn't know I was going to become a mathematics teacher. But it's early on is when I became to discover I got really good at math. And um, and so as I developed my skills, that led to me getting into my major, which is a quantitative major, economics and business undergrad, um, which led to me tutoring kids in mathematics, which led to me going to the corporate world where I had to use my mathematical skills. So like my world has been based in mathematics. But I, if you would have told me, you know, early on, I'm going to be a mathematics teacher, I would have looked at you like, really? You know, but it's because of me developing those skill sets that I needed to, to get to where I am today. That's so true. That's so true. We treat it, try to teach our kids that it's progress, not perfection. You're you're always what's the perfection? Oh, I think perfection is a mental construct that's not real and it's harmful. And, you know, I, I, I mentioned earlier that there are good parts of social media, but there are also negative parts of social media. And you have these people with curated uh, pictures and so on and so forth about their perfect life and so forth. That's that's not real and that's not healthy. And young people are spending too much time on, on the negative social media. And rather than measuring themselves against yesterday's progress. And what we do is we teach them to focus on four success elements, health, wealth, wisdom and relationship while they're in school. Their job is not to generate wealth. While they're in school, their job is to get good grades and it's educational accomplishment. And so what we do is we say, okay, what have you done today versus yesterday to get better than you were? And so that's finite, that's specific. It's not like the horizon, which is another mental construct that the closer you get to the horizon when you're in an airplane, it keeps going away and you never get to it. And so one, one other thing that we found is that, you know, scientifically, Many people, when they're watching social media, their mind just kind of slips into neutral. And, you know, they're just not thinking, they're not really reacting, they're just kind of absorbing this information. And that provides an opportunity for more anxiety and more distraction. And we believe that by having, having purposeful action and setting up these goals and these specific things and limits, that doesn't mean you don't have any social media. You don't have to bring it to zero but you need to recognize, you know, this is probably not a good idea. And as Beth said earlier, young people know when they might be doing something that's not really good for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would love to know how, you know, in your experience, how having a strong sense of self impacts the students that you've worked with academically. Oh, wow. It, having that strong sense of self is key 
because having a healthy self-awareness promotes emotional wellness and self-esteem and it provides students with that insight into who they are and why they react like they do and gives them a direction for you know self-improvement which we're all looking to hope that they will seek the self-improvement that they know they need and that could be in their academics but usually students who are self-aware do better in their academics because they know their strengths and they know where they need to work harder if, to deal with their weaknesses so but by knowing all those personal traits um, you you know how your actions affect others and that's a very healthy thing in your classroom even with your teachers I don't know if you've experienced this David but when we lived overseas the kids learned Spanish and they became fluent in Spanish. We moved back to the States to Memphis, Tennessee, and the the Spanish teacher at their school had a German name. So I, I, we were like, oh gosh, okay. We told our son, never correct your teacher in Spanish at all because, he, and he was aware that if I correct my teacher, it won't go well. <laughs> he, he knew, it will leave a mark. He was in, his own self-awareness was that uh, firm, you know, so he, he didn't. He he. I think he liked to show off his Spanish a little bit too much, though. So, but he learned. I would also <laughs> add to that that not only does that self understanding translate into better doing better at school, but it also translates into dollars and cents because forty percent of college graduates graduate in four years. Only forty percent. Sixty percent of them are graduating in six years. Six. And that's in yeah. six years. And 60% are changing majors at least three times. Okay. Yeah, they don't know what they're doing. Six do. years. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so if you look at on the low end of the school, all in, if you're in state, it's $30,000. Private's about $50,000. And Ivy's are $80,000. And you're in there for an extra two years. You know, that can be an extra eighty dollars to $160,000. That if you are not clear on who you are and what you're doing and what you should study and getting good grades and so forth, you're going to spend that extra money. If your parents are going to be paying for it, that's still not acceptable. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to assume that in, as part of debt, that's terrible. Um, the other thing is because it puts a tremendous weight on you being able to graduate or uh, to be able to graduate and pay off that debt as well as your job. But even worse than that is if somebody goes to the schools and drops out after two years and has $100,000 for the debt, it's really tough for them to pay for their living expenses plus the college debt, which is not pardoned. And current student debt is $1.7 Oh, gosh. And the universities aren't doing anything to alleviate this because the tuitions are going higher. Yeah. They should be they should be giving back some of this. So listeners, parents, help your students get the self-discovery because it will turn into dollars and cents. Mm -hmm. Plus, they will position themselves into a a profession, a core study area that they're passionate about. One of the reasons we call it the college flight plan is we want them to take mm -hmm. flights and go into college or go into their profession. We don't want them to fly back into our basements. We don't want them to fly back. You know, well, in Houston, you don't have basements, right? You don't think you have basements. No, we do not have basements. You don't want them to fly back into the living room. You want yes. them to go on and go forth and prosper, right? Yes, yeah. And I would also think that, you know, the whole self-discovery thing is very instrumental in helping them to be more 
um, accepting of the things that they don't do well because they realize that that doesn't define them. I have all these great things that I'm able to do and I know who I am so I can just work easily work on these other things and it's not doesn't make me a bad person or whatever. Right. They have confidence in what they can do or mm -hmm. what they will be able to do if they try hard enough. Sure. And one thing we'd say is as much as we love the teachers and the counselors in the schools, there are too many students for every guidance counselor. Yes. There are on average 424 students in the United States per college counselor. And they recommend 220 per counselor. And here in California, we have 900 per college counselor. Oh my Same. gosh. So they can't, they can't possibly do it all. They, they don't have enough hours in the day, you know? So we recommend that uh, the parents and the students be proactive in seeking the help that they need in different areas. Yeah, I think that, that, that what you just said is so key because I think that we parents think that they're just going to get it through osmosis at the school. You know, all of these things yeah. are going to be taken care of, sending them to a good school or whatever. And so they're going to be guided and all of this is going to happen. But uh, the truth of the matter is not only is the ratio terrible, and it's, it's really terrible in California, but uh, it's terrible. But then they the time that the, the counselors are spending is more so along the lines of mental health and um, other things, especially in the middle of a pandemic, we've got so many things going on. Yes. So, you know, whether or not you get to the right college or, you know, other things like that kind of probably go down on the totem pole when it comes to, you know, when we're considering mental health and wellness and things like that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Definitely. You know, also, unfortunately, you know, just the reality is, you know, as teachers that, um, you know, I, I always try to invest more in them than just the X's and O's of the mathematics, but to help them learn life lessons. But that for teachers, a lot of times it is, I mean, the pressure we have, we always, we, we have to perform with these kids and get, get those numbers, get those scores, get, you know, get the state. Mm -hmm. that's, that's everything's driven by, you know, that. And so, Sometimes teachers don't necessarily have the time to invest those other aspects of uh, their lives the way they want to, uh, because um, we got to keep those test scores up. I mean, that's just the reality right. of it. Yes. And so, um, you know, sometimes you know, teachers can, and, and I know some that do, but many, many times it's, it's it, we teachers feel the pressure of of performing on that realm, but not discovering that kids are more than just a test. Kids are more than just in one exam and homework and grading and those types of things that we do as teachers as well. So, well, your students are fortunate to have you saying that you're more than just the X's and O. And I think that most, most teachers are like that, but there are some teachers that really, I had one senior executive in, in the local school um, organization said that some people just are not well suited to teach SEL. You know, they are a biology teacher or they're a chemistry teacher and they don't have a, a soft spot of their body, you know, they don't know how to communicate yeah. in that way. They they can communicate intellectually about their chemistry and so forth, but they really don't have that EQ that you obviously have, David. And uh, they have a tremendous IQ, but not the EQ and are not able to connect with their students. And so that's one of the benefits of, of the self-discovery and the parents being involved is that you just kind of come alongside the student. It doesn't have to happen, you know, in 24 hours but just start the freshman year and start exploring. Go to a local university, even though the student is not interested in going to that school, 
and just walking around the campus if there's one in the city and, and say, I'd like to interview somebody in a college advisor and see what you're looking for and, as a, and do it as practice. These are some of the things that can be done. All right. Well, unfortunately, we are out of time, but this was a great conversation. I'm so glad we, we got connected and we're able to do this today. We are too. Thanks so much for having us. Absolutely. So if our listeners want to um, go through your program, how will we find you? Well, they can go to collegeflightplan.com, collegeflightplan.com. If they want to see something specifically with either uh, or communicate directly with Beth or myself, they can go to Beth at collegeflightplan.com or Greg at collegeflightplan.com. I'm happy to answer any questions that, uh, that you might have. And for your audience, we put together a special document that's a guide that helps parents deal with the self-discovery that teens are trying to do. And it has specific information, includes statistics that they can use, top five early actions um, that they can help, that they can use for that lead to college success, free assessments, ACT, SAT prep. I mean, I know that a lot of people are saying that those are optional, but um, we encourage people to take your ACTs and SATs because that's really going to help you uh, get noticed if you have great grades. There's scholarship resources as well. And that information is at collegeflightplan.com slash guide. All right. And we will have that information on our website so you can easily find it. All right. Well, Beth and Greg, this has been a pleasure. Thank you guys so much. Well, thank you. Thank you, Danita. Thank you, David. Absolutely. Well, Noggin Educational Foundation is the premier sponsor of School Days, so we always want to let you know what's going on with Noggin. So this Thursday is North Texas Giving Day. North Texas Giving Day is an 18-hour online giving event created to support Texas North Texas nonprofits. Noggin uses this fundraiser to raise money for our free tutoring and special education advocacy programs. So please support our vision to close the achievement gap by donate by giving a donation of any any kind um, anytime now between now and 11:59 p.m. on September 23rd. And you can find out more about Noggin and North Texas Giving Day at nogginfoundation.org. Also, parents, report cards are coming out soon. If you're realizing that your child needs any help with your academics, uh, please keep uh, yours truly in mind um, for Noggin Educational Coaching. Um, that's the educational coaching arm of Noggin. And um, you can, you know, we help with discovering what their learning styles are and then developing a game plan on how to study, like how to actually be a student, especially now during in the pandemic. Um, these skills are going to be absolutely critical. So if you'd like to find out more about that, you can reach out to me at david at noggin, N-O-G-G-I-N, education.com. Um, and I'd be more than happy to talk to you and help create a plan to help your child get on the right path. All right. And your information is also on our website. So as always, head to our website, schooldazedshow.com for more information about all that we're doing and the resources mentioned on School Days. And remember, you don't ever have to miss a show. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Audible, and pretty much anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 
Noggin Foundation. That's N-O-G-G-I-N. And last but not least, we always want to end our show by saying that David and I are parenting by grace. We depend on God to give us the wisdom and strength that we need to raise our kids into flourishing adults. And if you would like to know more about that, please feel free to email us at info at schooldaysshow.com. Have a great week and stay safe.